You're listening to the Bible Speaks to You podcast. This is episode number 92. Today is part one of How to Be More Like Jesus. Welcome to the Bible Speaks to You podcast. I'm James Early. This is the place to explore and rediscover the original Christianity of Jesus. Each week, we take a fresh look at the Bible and dig down beneath the surface of things to the deep spiritual meaning and see how we can apply it in our daily lives to learn how to pray more effectively, experience the healing presence of God in your life, and begin to get a taste of what Jesus meant when he promised us that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. So, let's jump right in. Hey there, welcome back to the Bible Speaks to You podcast. I'm so grateful you're here today listening. I really appreciate you being here. And while you're listening, if you think of someone that might enjoy this episode, please share it with them. Our topic today is how to be more like Jesus. This is part one, and next week we'll have part two. I've been talking to several people lately, and they all have said they just want to follow Jesus more closely. They just want to be more like Jesus. Isn't that a wonderful desire? I think it's so important to have that feeling in our hearts. Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever just wanted to be more like Jesus was, to be able to think and act like he did? As I said, that's a wonderful prayer, really, and goal that we can have for our lives. My question is, how are you doing in following Jesus and being more like him? Are you happy where you are in that process? I want to talk today about how to follow Jesus more closely, how to be more like Jesus. And one thing I want to mention right up front is that to follow Jesus better, to be more like him, we have to get over the idea of just copying him. We can't just repeat his words and mimic his actions. Instead, we need to embrace his mindset because our outward actions come from the thoughts that we think, whether they're good or bad. And the more we can think like Jesus, the more we will be like Jesus. And to follow Jesus and be like him, we really need to understand Jesus better. We need to understand and know what he said, what he did, how he prayed, how he responded to certain situations. And as I said, this is where it's tempting just to copy his words and actions. But without embracing Jesus' mindset, everything we do is going to lack the inspiration that Jesus had, and our words and actions are just going to be so hollow and superficial. We won't fool too many people, if anyone. One of the challenging things in this whole process of wanting to be more like Jesus, to follow him more closely, is that The human mind is actually very reluctant to change. I know this from my own experience. Sometimes I pray very earnestly, oh, I want to be more like Jesus. I really want to follow him and everything he did. But way down deep, 
I'm holding on to some things that prevent me from doing that. Sometimes it's pride, sometimes my own personal opinions, sometimes it's been a lack of self-worth or comparing myself to others, or sometimes I've held on to something that somebody did that I haven't forgiven them for. All these things keep us from following Jesus more closely and being more like Jesus. But sometimes we don't really want to give those things up. We want to hold on to those hurt feelings just a little bit longer. We want to hold on to our personal opinions and our pride. I want to emphasize this point again. The human mind, without the inspiration and influence of the Holy Spirit, is really disinclined to change at this deeper spiritual level or even admit that it needs or wants to follow Jesus. The human mind by itself does not want to follow Jesus. It wants to follow its own opinions and inclinations. We can say we want to be more like Jesus and to follow him more sincerely, but way down deep, we don't always really want to do what it takes to do that. If we're just attempting it with a lot of human effort and willpower, it will not get us very far. Jesus makes some pretty strong demands on us, on anyone really, who wants to be his follower and be more like him. He said in Luke 9.23, If anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Jesus said to a whole lot of people, follow me. Think of Peter and Andrew, James and John. They were fishing and Jesus came up and said, follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Matthew was collecting taxes. Jesus said to him, follow me. And Matthew left it all and went to follow Jesus. In John 1.43, Jesus is going to Galilee, and he found Philip and said to Philip, Follow me. And Philip did. Peter, Andrew, James, and John, Matthew, Philip, and the other disciples, and many others did follow Jesus when he asked them. But not everyone responded so quickly or in the same way at all. One time. A man ran up to Jesus and knelt down before him and asked him, Good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? This is Mark 10, 17-22. And Jesus said to him, Why do you call me good? No one is good except God alone. You know the commandments. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not bear false witness. Do not defraud. Honor your father and mother. And he said to him, Teacher, all these I have kept from my youth. And Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said to him, You lack one thing. Go, sell all that you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. And come, follow me. Jesus saw the goodness in this man. He loved this man because he had been earnestly obeying the commandments, trying to do everything that was right, and he invited him to follow him. But verse 22 says that the man was disheartened by Jesus' saying, he went away sorrowful, for he had great possessions. When you have a lot of money, it's so easy to trust in those riches for your security, for your well-being, for your ability to do whatever you want to do. There's nothing wrong with being wealthy. Don't get me wrong, because you can use your wealth in all kinds of ways to glorify God. 
But this man had an opportunity to actually follow Jesus, and he didn't, at least not then. Later on, we don't know, he may have decided to leave everything and follow Jesus. But at least the seed was planted, and it gives an example to us. It doesn't mean that we all go out and sell everything we have. Jesus only said that to one person. But he does say that we all have to deny ourselves, take up our cross, and follow him. Other times people came up to Jesus and said, I will follow you wherever you go. This is Luke 9, 57 through 62. And Jesus responded, well, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man, referring to himself, has nowhere to lay his head. It's not necessarily going to be easy if you decide to follow me. You may not know where you're going to sleep that night until we get there. I don't always know. I just go wherever God tells me to. To another person, he said, follow me. But the man said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. We don't know what this man did. Did he follow Jesus? Did he go back and stay with his family? Some commentators point out that it may not have meant that the man's father was dead, but that the man wanted to wait until after his father died before he decided to follow Jesus. That might make a little more sense, and it shows that sometimes we put things off until it's a little more convenient or we're worried what other people are going to think. This might be what the man was dealing with and what Jesus was talking about. Jesus was asking so much of the people that came up to him and wanted to be part of what he was doing. And there were various motives in there, various levels of commitment. That's true for you and me today. Sometimes it changes from day to day even. The level of our commitment or the level of our earnestness in wanting to obey and follow Jesus and be more like him. Someone else came up to Jesus and said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me say farewell to those at my home. And Jesus said to him, No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Think about it. If you're plowing a field and you look back over your shoulder all the time, you won't be able to plow straight. You'll mess things up. That's what Jesus is talking about. If our thought is dwelling in the past, where we've come from instead of where we're going, we're not really thinking about the kingdom of heaven. We're thinking about the kingdom of where we've been. I used to feel like this was kind of a harsh thing. Gee, don't you want to say goodbye to your parents? But I think he may have discerned in this man kind of a superficial level of commitment. I'm going to make the noble sacrifices. Let me go say goodbye to my parents. Maybe a better response was, Jesus, I want to go tell my family about you so they'll come follow you too. I mean, there's so many different ways that little conversation could have gone. But Jesus wanted not just a surface level commitment. He wanted a deep level commitment to following him. It wasn't just an outward action. It doesn't say what this person did. He could have said, okay, I'll send somebody else to give them the message. There are all kinds of things that this guy could have done if he really wanted to follow Jesus. 
So maybe we should ask the question, well, why should we follow Jesus in the first place? Each of us probably has a way that we would answer that question, but I think Jesus gives a really clear answer to this question in John 10, verses 27 and 28. He says, My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life, and they will never perish, and no one will snatch them out of my hand. That's pretty amazing. Jesus gives us eternal life, and we will never perish, and no one can snatch us out of his hands. What a wonderful promise. That's a pretty good reason to follow Jesus, I would say. He also says in John 12, 26, If anyone serves me, he must follow me, and where I am, there will my servant be also. If anyone serves me, the Father will honor him. Think about receiving honor from God. That's a wonderful promise as well, and that's another wonderful reason to follow Jesus. And another reason to follow Jesus is that when you do put his teachings into practice in your life, you're a different person. It makes your life richer and fuller and more complete. And you learn what love is all about. Something else we need to think about in this process of following Jesus and striving to be more like him, we need to be careful that we don't compare ourselves to others. Don't compare how you follow Jesus and what happens as a result with how someone else follows Jesus and what happens to them. After Jesus' resurrection, he was having breakfast with some of his disciples on the shore of the Sea of Galilee. He has just dealt with Peter and kind of bringing him back into the fold, asking him if he loved him three times and then telling him to feed his lambs, feed his sheep, to take care of his followers. And then he prophesies how Peter will be put to death because he has been a witness to Jesus. And that's pretty sobering to Peter, don't you think? That's a lot to take in. Then Peter looks over and sees John, one of the other disciples, and Peter says to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? What's going to happen to him? Peter and John had both been very close to Jesus. They were part of his inner circle of disciples. Jesus has just told Peter what's going to happen to him, and so it's only natural, totally human nature, for Peter to want to know what's going to happen to John. And Jesus said to him, If it is my will that he remain until I come, what is that to you? You follow me. It doesn't matter what kind of glory or recognition or honor someone else gets because they are following Jesus or trying to be more like Jesus. It may not look like what happens to you. That's okay. We need to keep our focus on the shepherd and not the sheep. We don't compare ourselves to the other sheep. We compare ourselves, our thinking, our actions, to the shepherd. And that's our role model. That's our example. That's our standard. Do any of these situations we've talked about with the disciples and the other people that Jesus has to follow him resonate with you? They sure do with me. 
Sometimes I feel I'm right there, ready to drop everything and follow Jesus. And other times, well, I have other things I have to take care of. And it can be a rebuke sometimes to see how quickly some of those people decided to be followers of Jesus. So what do we really need to do to follow Jesus the way he wants us to? Well, first, as he said, we have to hear his voice. We need to know what he said, what he did, how he thought. But that's just the beginning. We need to embrace Jesus' mindset. I talk a lot about the mindset of Jesus on this podcast. You probably have noticed that. Why? Because it is so important. We need to embrace and adopt as our own way of thinking the way Jesus thought. And we can do this. Paul says, we have the mind of Christ. We just need to use it. So let's go back to that verse we mentioned earlier. Jesus said, we need to deny ourselves, take up our cross daily before we can truly follow him. We quote that verse all the time, but what does it really mean? Are we really willing to do those things? And if we're willing, how on earth are we supposed to do it? As always, Jesus gives us the best example of what it means to carry out any of the things he expects us to do. Let's talk about what it means to deny yourself. Jesus said often that he was here not to do his own will, but the will of the Father, all the way through his ministry and culminating in the Garden of Gethsemane. Not my will, but thine be done. This is from John 6, 38. I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. And John 8.50, I do not seek my own glory. How often can we say that that's our mindset? All too often, we are maneuvering to get what we want, even with the cloak of Christianity on it, We want that glory for ourselves. We're trying to get recognition. We're trying to do what we think is best. We need to take an honest look at ourselves here. We need to really be humble in the way we approach letting God's will be done and letting go of what we want and not seeking our own glory, but seeking God's glory. You may be doing a pretty good job at this already, but we can all do better at it and be more consistent. Let's talk about what it means to take up your cross daily. I've heard this described as lots of things. For me, it means we need to face the opposition. We need to face the world's hatred of truth. In John 15, 20, 21, and 23, Jesus says, Remember the word that I said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name because they do not know him who sent me. Whoever hates me hates my father also. Jesus knew the real hatred that was directed at him was really hatred of the father. And it just unleashed itself onto Jesus and crucified him. Paul talks about this in Romans chapter 8, verse 7, this hostility toward God, this hatred of God. He says, 
For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. That's from the English Standard Version. The King James says, The carnal mind is enmity against God. That's pretty strong language, and it shows that this materialistic, self-centered, egotistic way of thinking or mindset is hostility towards God. It's the very opposite of the mindset of Christ. It's refusing to yield to God, whereas the mindset of Jesus is completely yielding to God. We have to face the world's hatred of God. We have to face the world's hatred of Christ. We can't turn away from it, and we can't ignore it. And when we do that, we are taking up our cross. And when we do it consistently, we're taking up our cross daily. The more we do that, when we really face that hostility and conquer it through God's love and supremacy, we are becoming more like Jesus. Jesus never ran away from a problem. He faced it. That one's a little harder sometimes to do, but the more that you strive toward that, the more you'll be like Jesus, and the more you'll understand and see how he faced it, and that will help you face it as well. So, I've got a question for you. Are you willing to deny yourself and take up your cross daily and follow Jesus? Again, we love to say these words, but Are you willing to give up your personal opinions, your perspectives and preconceptions of everything? How you see God, yourself, other people, the whole world? Are you willing to give that up and instead ask God how he sees things? Sometimes we are so proud of how smart we are and how discerning we are, and we are so sure that our perspective is correct. And however accurate it may be humanly, we still need to let go of that and see things from God's perspective. Ask God what he sees. Jesus said, I only do what I see the Father do. There's another aspect of being like Jesus. Can you say, I only do what I see the Father do? I can say that every once in a while, but I am not consistent with that, and it's something I strive for, and I hope you do too. And we have to be honest with ourselves here. It's not necessarily an easy thing to pull off every single day. We say we want to follow Jesus more closely, and I think that's an honest, sincere desire on my part, and I know it is probably on your part. But sometimes it can be just a facade. We say it to impress someone at church or even ourselves. I know I have, not so much recently, but in the past. Because we know we should want this. But in order to truly follow Jesus, you have to quit following someone else, something else. You have to quit following yourself, your own opinions, your own perspectives. To be more like Jesus, there are some things we're going to have to change. The way we think, the way we act, the way we pray, the way we love. And as I said already, you may already be doing a pretty good job of following Jesus and of being like him. You may have left behind so many of these things already that we're talking about. But wherever we are in this process, we can always get a little better at it. 
So, how do we change our thinking and our behavior? Jesus gives us a pretty good clue when he defines adultery as mental lusting and not just a physical act. The lesson here is that the root of any action is the thought behind it. The only way to correct un-Jesus-like behavior is to eliminate un-Jesus-like thinking. That was one of the very first things Jesus asks us to do, is repent. That word in Greek, metanoia, means to change our thinking, to think in a new way, a completely different way. So, how do we get rid of un-Jesus-like thinking? I saw this wonderful video on YouTube several years ago. A man had a big two-liter soda bottle full of very black liquid. He put it in the kitchen sink and turned on the faucet, full force, and that clean water just kept pouring down into the bottle. Very slowly, as that clean water kept going into the bottle, after two or three minutes, the color of that liquid started to get a little lighter. There was progress all along. It just took a while to actually see it. It got lighter and lighter. It took several minutes, but then the water was completely clear. There was no coloring or dye or ink or whatever it was that he had put in that bottle left. It was just pure, clean water. That's the way we get rid of un-Jesus-like thinking. We need to constantly pour in God's love and truth into our hearts. This flushes out whatever thoughts and actions are not like Jesus. And it doesn't happen in one fell swoop. It is a daily discipline. There are so many things Jesus says and does in the New Testament that help us in this journey. You think of the parables, you think of the healings, you think of his crucifixion and resurrection, the things he said to his disciples, all those things. But I think to start with, I would suggest revisiting the Sermon on the Mount. I encourage you to reread, I know you've read it many times, but to reread and study deeply and pray with the Sermon on the Mount to get down to the bedrock of Jesus's mindset. And that's what we're going to talk about in next week's episode, looking at the Sermon on the Mount to get clues as to what is Jesus's mindset. This week, I hope you'll take some time to review the Sermon on the Mount and ask yourself as you read it, what was Jesus's mindset that allowed him to say all those things and to have those expectations of us that we could do and that we could be? So that's what we're going to talk about next week. Thank you so much for listening today. I am so grateful you're here. I would love to hear your thoughts on today's topic of being more like Jesus, things that have helped you, or if you have any questions, please reach out to me. The best way to be in contact is through the website, thebiblespeakstoyou.com. Just click the contact tab and fill out the form. I'd love to hear from you. If you're new to the Bible Speaks to You podcast and have not yet subscribed, I encourage you to do so. Go to the website. Again, thebiblespeakstoyou.com, and in the menu bar, you'll see a subscribe tab. Just click that, fill out the form, and you'll be on my email notification list. You can also subscribe on any of the podcast apps on your phone or your device or your computer and listen that way. 
As always, on the show notes page for today's episode on the website, I will have all the Bible references that I mentioned today, and there are quite a few of them. Just go to thebiblespeakstoyou.com forward slash 092. This is episode 92. If you've been listening recently, you've noticed that I've asked you to think about a particular question in getting ready for episode 100, which is not too far off now. And here's the question again. If you could talk to anyone in the Bible except Jesus, who would it be and what would you ask them? Please keep thinking about that, and very soon I'll be letting you know how to get that answer to me and how you can participate then in celebrating episode 100 of the Bible Speaks to You podcast. Every once in a while, people ask me, James, how can I be supportive of everything you're doing? I really appreciate the podcast. I get so much out of it. What can I do to be supportive? Well, the best thing to do is to take these ideas and put them into practice in your life and let me know how it's been helpful in your life. That's really the most wonderful thing to get your emails and your comments. The next thing I would say is to share this episode or any episode with someone who you think would really appreciate it. Another way to be supportive, some of you have been very generous in your contributions to help offset the expenses of the production as well as the hosting for the website and all that stuff. So if you're so inclined to make a contribution financially to support the Bible Speaks to You podcast, I would be very, very grateful. You can go to the website, thebiblespeakstoyou.com. All the way at the bottom, you'll see a donate button that is connected to PayPal. Anything you feel led to give, I would be most grateful for. As always, I would love to hear from you. Please be in contact if you have any questions or comments, or if you just need a little spiritual support, reach out to me. I would love to hear from you. Just click that contact tab on the website, and I'll be in touch. That's it for today. Thanks again for listening. I'm James Early with the Bible Speaks to You podcast. Have a great week. Take care. We'll see you next time. God bless.